Hi there, and welcome to Handelsbank and Insights. We're here this morning with James Spool, Chief Economist of Handelsbank in the UK, for our weekly economic update. Good morning, James. Good morning, Mariana. Okay, let's get started. Last week, you were travelling in the north of England, and this week, I know you've been looking at the high-frequency data in London. Can you compare and contrast the two? Well, yeah, I mean, the good news is the north of England is quite clearly getting back to work. Um, the, uh, the levels we've seen both uh, from, from, from the data and also from anecdotally from my travelling around last week, uh, there's clearly a lot of people in the office and clearly a lot of enthusiasm to get back into that office and get to work. Uh, and when we compare that to what's going on in London, uh, I think it's some interesting contrasts can be drawn. Because um, whilst we've seen some anecdotal evidence coming out of London transport about more people being on the tube and then reaching levels I haven't seen in, in really a couple of years now, um, that's not coming through in the data just yet. Uh, and the tube, while tube uh, passengers are up, they're still, according to the data, only about 50% of the 2019 level. Um, and the problem really seems to be two things. One is that for, for London as a whole, we're so dependent upon on pub public transport, particularly the tube. Uh, and so if people are reluctant to get on the tube, and, and we see that they are, um, that, that really does impinge upon people getting back into the office in London in a big way. Um, although I do have to note that when we, when people are asked what are the, the things they're most concerned about, where are they most concerned about catching COVID, uh, public transport is number one. Um, the number two, though, is the, is the pub. And they do seem to be willing to, mm -hmm. to go back to the pub in quite some numbers. So maybe there's, there's hope yet for the tube as the autumn progresses. <laughs> Okay, and uh, UK employment has come out. Things are still looking pretty good, I understand. Yeah, they are. Um, unemployment uh, dropped to 4.6%, um, although the, I think the consensus thinks it's, it's going to rise as the furlough program comes off. Now, furlough is, is well under 5% of people on furlough, and it does end at the end of this month. Um, but, and, and here I'm going to go a bit against the consensus, uh, I think there's actually a chance that it doesn't go above 5% again because there's actually quite a lot of vacancies out there in the market as well, and that was one of the things they, they talked about. So uh, I think that for those who, who want to have or want to find a job, it's pretty easy to find a job, really at many, many different levels, not just low skill, but, but um, you know, up to, to reasonably skilled people as well. So I'm, I'm a bit more optimistic on that. Um, and so I think it's a, those vacancy numbers are looking pretty good and the unemployment is, is looking like it's not going to be a problem, certainly in the short to medium term. Um, OK, we also saw earnings data not quite as punchy as last month. Um, so have inflationary concerns subsided? Well, uh, not really is, is the answer. Um, we did see a, a, it, it came off its high, um, but it's still 8.3 percent, which is historically pretty punchy. Uh, and these levels are still well ahead of productivity, which, which we're going to touch upon in just a moment, I know. Um, the ONS does say a portion of this um, is due to what they call compositional effects, which is to say they think that because low-paid people are disproportionately have lost their jobs, therefore that's pushed the average up. I'm a bit dubious of that, to be perfectly honest. Um, there's not that many people who are unemployed, uh, and therefore I don't think it's going to have as much impact as they might um, be su suggesting on this. Um, so I think that there's, there's everything to, to say. Um, we are in a period of time, if this becomes anchored, uh, which is to say if it becomes the norm and people expect it uh, in their paychecks um, and pay settlements, this could be more problematic in the longer term. So for the moment, uh, we're watching it with um, a good deal of caution. Um, no alarm bells ringing yet, but we're certainly uh, going to be having to, uh, to ring some this autumn if this sort of thing continues on. Mm -hmm. So looking looking at inflation, we had the latest figures um, out last week. Expectations for inflation have been rising all year. Is this still the case? It certainly is. Uh, inflation has now hit 3%. Um, and so um, 
uh, fears are not really subsiding at all, quite the opposite. Uh, much of this, due, if, we, if we break that number down, much of it's due to a couple of things. Restaurants and hotels. Now, there's a whole thing called the base effect, which is measuring today's prices against the prices of a year ago. Um, and if we think a year ago, and this is data for August, uh, if we think a year ago, we were in the eat out to help out phase of uh, the economic recovery. And therefore, prices for restaurants were uh, obviously artificially depressed by the Chancellor's generosity. Um, well, actually, of course, us taxpayers paying ourselves through the Chancellor for that generosity. But in, in any case, it did lead to a real jump in the uh, cost of restaurant meals. Now, um, that's clearly going to be a transitory effect. And there is a, a lot of debate within economics and even in the wider business circles as to is this inflation going to be transitory, i.e. will it fade naturally over the next year or so? That's certainly the Bank of England's base case forecast. Or are there also elements of um, longer term inflationary concern, such as, for instance, those, those um, uh, wage prices we were just talking about? So uh, I don't for a moment think that there's a good deal of transitory um, inflation. There clearly is. One of them is this area of um, uh, restaurants and hotels. And we also see some in recreation and culture because we've got uh, people adjusting to opening up again, and not everybody is employed in, in the right job where the, the demand is appearing. So all of this is going to take a, a time to shake out, and so I do expect to see this transitory inflation falling over the, over the course of 2022. Um, that said, there, there are, of course, some longer-term inflationary concerns about um, the um, uh, quantitative easing and other things, which is really a, a story for another day. But it's, it's the inflation story itself is uh, short-term, uh, short to medium term, there is a, a, a transitory inflation in there, uh, and longer term, there may be some as well. But that's, as I say, not something to discuss just now. Okay. Uh, and we also had retail sales numbers out last week. Um, are we seeing inflation there? Well, uh, what we saw in the um, retail sales data was overall forecast, and uh, something we had forecast, which was a bit of a falling away, actually, in the, the level of retail sales, because people have been shifting towards um, those leisure services. So you're buying a bit less stuff and you're, you're actually spending a bit more uh, at restaurants and hotels. So I think there's an inflationary effect there, but I don't think it's particularly inflation. I, I think it's also really, really interesting to look at what's happening to supply chains because uh, this is one of the areas which we're seeing some inflationary pressure come through as well. Uh, and where there are gaps or, or not uh, opening up in that supply chain. Now, overall, about 6.5% of businesses are reporting shortages, i.e. they're get, having difficulty getting stock. Um, it's interesting, though, because uh, I think a lot of people will jump to the conclusion that this might be a Brexit issue. Um, it may be, but it's certainly the evidence um, doesn't particularly support that because uh, it's not foodstuffs. Foodstuffs is the one area, actually the best area, where people are able to, where the, the, the purveyors of the, the grocery store supermarkets are able to uh, continue to find uh, enough food and certainly going to alternative suppliers, but, but actually they're able to find the food to actually sell to us. Whereas the biggest problem really is in fuel, which is, of course, not something we necessarily import from the European Union. Um, it comes in much more through either UK refineries, but also uh, shipped in from, from other parts of the world. So um, I don't think that's Brexit, but it clearly is a, a concern and it clearly is something that could be adding to inflation in the uh, medium term. Mm -hmm. OK, and you touched on them just now, but of course, rises in, in earnings. Um, are usually seen as a sign of economic health, so long as productivity is rising as well. You had a brief look at productivity statistics. What, what, what are you concluding there? Well, the good news is productivity is rising, um, and and we can see that you know it obviously plummeted during the the, the downturn, and it's uh, naturally coming back to something like its normal levels. Uh, I think one of the problems here, of course, is that productivity as a whole is a bit like GDP. It's it's the best number we have. Um, but we have to appreciate the limitations of that number. These are these are hard concepts to measure. And in fact, 
the more sophisticated our economies become, the, the more difficult they become to measure. So um, I think that productivity is, is good. And clearly, if we get rising productivity, we can uh, start to think about how, how we might pay ourselves a bit more. And if we don't have rising productivity, uh, paying ourselves more can, of course, be a, a bit more of a problem. You become less competitive as a result. Um, I think that what we're also looking for is productivity in the workplace um, and looking at people working from home. Many people saying they are just as productive as the, when working from home as they are in the office. I think that case remains to be proven uh, and we'll have to see how that goes over the, uh, the course of the autumn and into next year. Um, it's also interesting looking at what's happening as far as workers being reallocated. There is a bit of evidence coming through on that, that what we're seeing is workers being reallocated from um, lower productivity to higher productivity areas. And that, that's good because of course it does start to justify some of those pay rises that we were just talking about uh, and also um, I, I think it's it's the the friction in the economy and, and the way in which we had always expected some inflation to come as a result of um, people being uh, in the wrong jobs when um, new demands come onto the, uh, onto the business world. And people are, of course, uh, adapting to that and businesses themselves are adapting to that. So I, I think this is all good news. Um, uh, it's just sort of there's more questions um, to come as time progresses. Okay, you've also found some data on wealth as opposed to earnings across the country. Are we as a country getting wealthier or is it all about housing? Well, of course, um, it's, it's a number of different factors. Um, we are a, a nation that owns a lot of houses. Um, we're not the, the champions in Europe. Those tend to be the Irish and the, the, the um, uh, Italians who have over 90% of homeowner occupation. For the UK, it's about two-thirds. Um, and and re really, it's always useful to remember the outlier for this. All of this is Germany, which is the only one that's sort of uh, around 50%. So um, most of, most Europeans do live in homes or do own the homes that they live in. Um, uh, and certainly that's the most widespread form of wealth that we have in the UK. But since 2006, it's not been the largest store of overall wealth. That's actually been um, financial wealth, which is, say, stocks, shares, bonds, whatever else uh, that people might own. Um, so that financial wealth really does matter a lot. Uh, and it's certainly recovering. Uh, there has been a lot of discussion about the fact that the zero interest rate policy and quantitative easing has pushed down yields and then pushed up um, prices of financial assets, or in fact, in, of housing as well. Um, and, and that's, uh, again, certainly a phenomenon we've seen. What I, I think is also interesting to note is that um, this is very, uh, wealth is very much concentrated in southern England. It's about 37% of all UK wealth is just in London and the southeast. So um, uh, we do have a lot of wealth in the country. Uh, it's notable, for instance, that if you look at a country like the United Kingdom versus a country like Germany, um, the average German is, is paid more, the average German saves more, and yet they have less financial wealth. And that's because uh, we in the UK tend to save through um, equities, and that gives us long-term growth. And the Germans tend to save either in, in um, straight savings products or bonds where there's not as much growth, and therefore um, they don't end up accumulating as much capital. Okay, finally, with everyone being encouraged to tax pay, there's been some interesting data on non-cash transactions around the world. What do you think some of the implications might be? Yes, well, we are seeing some really, really interesting. Now, this data actually runs from, from um, the early 2000s to 2019, so we don't we can't look at the data for what's been happening in the last couple of years, which, of course, I think is going to be um, significant increases in the amount of non-cash transactions. But even before that, uh, there was a really, really strong surge we were seeing in people using either their mobile phone or, or the credit card is just tapping to pay, as, as, as we, we were saying. Um, so there's a big amount of growth coming through all of this. I think one of the things that, that struck me looking at the data was that... Um, 
uh, one of the things that sort of holds back prices is price points. And you don't like to go through particular price points because people don't want to pull out more notes or whatever else, and they don't want um, handfuls of change in response. Uh, and if the it's just tapping, those price points disappear, or, or they certainly become um, less prevalent. And less prevalent price points mean that inflation can creep in a bit more. So I think that this is one of those things we will have to watch again for the medium and long term, but it is one of those things which might be actually facilitating um, uh, inflation as we go forward from here. Okay, thank you very much, James. That brings us to the end of, of today's episode. Um, and we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thanks very much, Mana.